Hey, listeners, before we get to your show, this is a blast from your past. Were you hanging around in the 90s watching Nickelodeon before you got too old for it and started smoking weed and doing drugs? Well, then you should know us. This is Danny Tamborelli and... And this is Michael C. Morona. We're here to ask you to check out our podcast, The Adventures of Danny and Michael. And here's our on-air producer, Jeremy, to tell us what you'll be hearing. You can hear things like minisodes, full episodes, nostalgia dumps, interviews with some of today's hottest comedians. That's right, Jeremy. All of those things and more. So check us out. The Adventures of Danny and Mike on the Seltzer Kings Network. listening to the Bradshaw boys a podcast where three relatively grown men binge the iconic HBO series sex and the city so dust off those DVDs and grab yourself a white wine or even a cosmopolitan and settle in take it away boys Welcome hey, to the Bradshaw everybody. Boys. Oh, it's different, like, spicy opening. I to come in there a little bit. I thought about this before the last time. We've well, been seeding too much ground to Corey. You really have. Time. Okay, so John, take us in. I just wanted to say hey while you were while you were talking. That's it. Well, welcome to the Bradshaw Boys. That's John Sieber. Hey, I'm John Sieber, and Corey Corey Cavan was just talking. I am Corey Cavan, and I am Kevin James Doyle. And this is a podcast where three guys watch Sex in the City for the first time ever. Mostly. Ooh. Ooh. I was going to ditch the mostly, and no, you brought it back we in. we got to keep it. I, I've been gone for like 10 days, so I'm excited to be back. <laughs> you just get in any way you can. Well, we have a guest with us in the room that we're very excited about. Very excited. Uh, she did our live podcast, and now she's here to talk to us live in the studio. New York Times bestselling author of Sex and the City and Us and other books, Jennifer Cation Armstrong. Yeah, Thank you for having Hi, me. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you. And enduring this balmy studio. Yes. Uh, a little warm in here. It's a little warm today. Yeah. yeah. There's no shame. It's a little warm outside. It's a New York summer. <laughs> I'm going to start getting my Superman sweat emblem on my chest here real soon. <laughs> That's why out. I wore a black shirt. Smart. You're a so smart man. It's completely soaked right now. But <laughs> <laughs> you, you wore, can't tell. You wore a black shirt with a heavy denim overshirt. I know. <laughs> Just I, for cooling purposes. I saw Jennifer out front and I we were we were discussing my poor outfit choice. Yeah, real poor. <laughs> you're, you're wearing you're all you're you're a lot of denim. I'm. I always have. You also a have a wool on. stocking cap on. I'm not sure. It's what not you're wool. It's, just <laughs> it's weird that you chose to wear a Canada Goose jacket today of all days. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It makes sense. It's really strange. Are uh, those well, hand warmers in your gloves too? <laughs> That's really weird. I don't know why you do that, Jennifer. Thanks for being here. Sure. Um. So we talked to you on the live show. You wrote the book Sex in the City and Us. Um. Can you tell us a little bit about the book briefly, and then also? your relationship to sex in the city. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So I write books about TV history. My last one was about Seinfeld. It was called Seinfeldia. And so sex in the city was up this time. Um, So this is kind of, I I use a couple different ways to describe it. It's a cultural history of sex in the city. So it's really like, you know, all the way from the beginning, which includes 
Candace Bushnell and her column Sex in the City, which turned into a book, which was eventually turned into the show um, all the way through till really now. And, you know, the fandom that kind of continues the way it's affected our lives. And, you know, we've got whole new kinds of fandom popping up now. People like Carrie Dragshaw and every outfit on Sex in the City um, on Instagram, that sort of thing. So and, 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 and anything you. else come to mind? And you. I'm not sure. <laughs> Obviously. Um, which, I mean, this actually does indicate you know, kind of the ongoing life of the show. You guys just recently started true. watching the show and you thought it was worthwhile enough to put your energy not into watching it, but discussing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that really shows. And I, I also love this because it shows that men can be fans, straight men can be friends, fans of Sex and the City mm-hmm, too, mm-hmm. Um, which is something that I have encountered a lot, but it surprised me actually in some ways that not only have I encountered it a lot while touring the book, but also... I kind of expected guys to be a little more like whispery and apologetic about it. Mm-hmm. And most of the, like I've had a lot of guys, some, some have done that, but some have just been like, Oh, I'm a huge fan. And like, I can tell by what they say to me mm-hmm. that they really are versus, you yeah. know, they're just yeah. saying that for some reason. Um, so I've loved that. I love the sort of, you know, across the board fandom of the show and appreciation for what it's done for the ways we, you know, talk and think about sex even the ways we have sex, um, you know, the ways we think about single women, dating, all kinds of different things. Yeah. So um, and I, in fact, share my own story in the book at the beginning, which is um, I felt like, you know, this is one of those shows that just really actually affected people's real lives. And mm-hmm. that's very rare. You know, nobody like I don't really think people, for instance, looked at Seinfeld and went, oh, I'm going to live my life exactly like those people you know where people the way- did that with night court <laughs> night court was huge <laughs> the robes the yeah. robes were, were so many huge. people wanted to become lawyers but only at night <laughs> yeah Just yeah john lurikett was, yeah. was the john lurikett hair really took yeah. off with a lot of people exactly well. exactly um so i i share my own story in addition to several other people that I talked to um, throughout the book, but my story is at the beginning. And basically the first line is um, I left my fiance for sex in the city. Mm. So it's about kind of how um, we moved to the greater New York city area. We moved to New Jersey mm-hmm. suburbs together and we were going to get married. And then I was watching, it was about the fourth season or so heights of sex in the city. So I was watching the show while going into the city every day for work at entertainment weekly magazine. And I suddenly started to go like, wait, I didn't do this yet. And I'd kind of like to. Wow. So um, obviously there was more at play than just the show. Sure. I'm yeah, not an but idiot, but catalyst. yeah, it was a real catalyst for me. And, you know, of course, like I couldn't afford the shoes and all of that stuff. But um, the basic premise of just like being able to go out and live your life independently as a single woman, provide for yourself, mm-hmm. have your friends as your family and your support system for a while while you find the right person. Um, that was that was really huge for me. I know that even in since we started it, I think we thought it'd be like more of like a gaggy podcast. Like we're just going to like make fun of it and talk. And some conversations that we've had not on the podcast are affected. <laughs> like you find yourself, Corey and I have just been like taking like a scene and being like, that's like similar to like what I'm going through right <laughs> yes. now. And, and it happens. It starts that I guess you don't have. Um, having the characters or having the scene to bounce that off really can like lift up different thoughts or emotions, or articulate something that you felt, but you, I don't know. They're, they're like uh, channels or what's the word? I don't know. 
You can channel yeah. your emotions or thoughts yeah. that you had through those. And it's funny. I've ha- I've had way more serious relationship and conversations about that because of Sex and the City than I never would have otherwise. So. Whenever the four of us, whenever the three of us and our producer Jeremy are in the back of a cab, our conversations about <laughs> anal sex, yeah. anal are, sex. They're, they're all about anal sex and they're so different. It's weird. You're it's always so weird. compelled all of a sudden to be like, wait, what, what do you guys think this we time? Think we got to go. We're picking up Jeremy. We're going to, <laughs> we're going to 39th Street. Yeah, you put a hard Jeremy. stop on uh, filming your, your sex with your girlfriends after Sex and the City, right? You, you thought did. that was kind oh, of a weird you, thing to do. I don't do it secretly anymore. <laughs> oh, that's, <laughs> see, we're making progress. <laughs> That's that's I really agree though. Like yeah. that's to me a huge part. I always call those Socratic dialogues that they have at the at brunch, where it's kind of like they just sort of bring up. It's like, hello, we will all now be discussing anal sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go. And what I love about that is that I say this all the time. I almost think it's like adult sex ed. It's like you can take that. Women especially are not taught to, t- to talk about this mm-hmm. stuff, and I'm sure for men too. Like you're not taught to talk about this stuff in a real sensitive way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like locker room talk, as we say. Mm-hmm. But I think this allowed women, for instance, to go to brunch with their friends and say, like, inst- you don't even have to bring up your own thing. Yeah. You mm-hmm. just have to say, hey, I just watched that Sex in the City where they talk about anal sex. What do you guys all yeah, think right. about that? You know, yeah. is that like a chicken and egg thing in the sense that, like, is it a thing that was already happening and people Good were like, question. by the way, this is what women do all the time? Or is it like people saw them and they were like, wait, it's okay to do that. We should start doing that. And then Mm. it changed the culture. I think it's a little bit of both. There probably were women who were doing it. I don't think it's like wildly unrealistic. They were, they're probably a little more explicit than most of us were taught to be. Um, I know I was not taught to talk about sex necessarily that, that explicitly. Mm. And especially the stuff they bring up. Like, I do think, you know, people talk about the influence of the gay men who made the show Mm -hmm. on what we see. Like in the writer's room. In the writer's room. Yeah. Yeah, Like two, you know, a gay man created it in a gay man another gay man later ran it and people love to do that like oh it's just it's really just like four gay men talking that's not totally untrue i don't think i think the gay men i've hung around is that going to happen later do they demask them? themselves and they're all <laughs> exactly four sorry gay men spoiler alert five? um but that's that was a common trope in talking about it and mm. in some ways i think it's insulting because it's like first it's it's kind of compartmentalizing sure. both straight women and gay men yeah but i do think the gay men had something to teach us about you know, um, talking openly and having a wide variety of choices. Yeah. And, and I mean, that would make sense because there's already a lot of thought and discussion about your sexuality and why, if you're a gay man, maybe more so than if you're, you're a woman. I agree. Um, so today's episode, we're, we're doing season two, episode six, the cheating curve. Did you write about the, that episode in your book? At all? I did. Oh, I awesome. did. Um, I, I can talk about that now or we can talk. Let's, about let's, it I think we should watch it and talk about yeah. what you wrote. Should we, I, I feel like season two has a lot of like really kind of big episodes in the sense of like some cool things happen. I think some cool things might happen in this one. I don't know. I'm just excited to see it. And you, you are nodding. You you're nodding. It's I didn't, a good one. I didn't look. I've had a couple people say, Ooh. this thing's going to happen. This thing's going to happen like in the season. Yeah, this is a good one. And you asked me before, like, what? which one are we going to watch? Mm. So you yeah. can be prepared about yeah. it. Yeah, this is, I was happy because season one is a little hit and miss. So um, at least compared with later. And so I was like, oh, season one. But this is one of, I mean, I actually even wrote a little bit about it. Awesome. This is one where... 
where there's some interesting things going on. So. All right. Perfect. Well, let's go watch it. All right. Also, for people that we're going to give away two oh, of yes. our books later through uh, those th- that submitted on Twitter and Instagram. So if you're listening, right. waiting for that, that is coming. But we're not, we're professionals. We know that that's not going to come right at the beginning of the podcast. Though. Right. But yeah, last episode, we asked a trivia question. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, or two episodes ago, we asked a trivia question. Yep. And for those of you that submitted, you're going to find out if you won one of Jennifer's books. Woo! All right. Let's go watch the episode. Bye. See you soon. Episode 18, The Cheating Curve. Terry starts to officially date Mr. Big. Miranda dates a guy who insists on watching porn while they have sex. Fed up with cheating men, Charlotte spends time with her new friends, the power lesbians. Samantha starts dating her gym instructor, who brands her with a lightning bolt. And now, back to the boy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Season two, episode six, The The Cheating Cheating Curve. Curve. Great episode. Great episode. Good episode. I will say, not as much cheating as I thought there would. Like, because sometimes they take a theme and they just go nuts on it. And I was was a little sad there'd be more cheating. I think that's the point of the episode. I think there was cheating with every single character. Cheating is when you think it is. Cheating is not when you think it is. That's what that's what I'm trying to say. And it's well, it's it's different kinds of cheating. It right? is different kinds of cheating. You would think that that would be like someone's going to cheat on their spouse, but those writers in that writers' room, they know how to really. They know that there's more than yeah. just yeah, there's one way to writers. cheat. There was there was cheating with every single character though. My mm-hmm. personal favorite, lightning strike twice. The uh, yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. But uh, but definitely definitely cheating with every single character. John, sure. do you want to give us a flyover of what happened in the episode? Let's do it as we so, do sometimes. Uh, the cheating curve was about the spectrum of cheating. Uh, it kind of got kicked off because Gareth, uh, Charlotte's uh, boyfriend, mm-hmm. uh, was uh, caught kissing a girl in, in the basement of an art show that she was hosting. And so it caused uh, a little conversation about what is cheating, what is not cheating. Uh, of course, um, Carrie, Miranda, and Samantha all had very different views. Miranda's was uh, the moral relativism Classic. aspect. Love that. that. It's, it, there's, a, there's a bit of a curve, and, and cheating is defined by how much the person who is defining it wants to cheat, where Samantha took more of the, uh, if a tree falls in the forest, does it make a noise? Is it cheating if you don't get caught? Is aspect? that tree having sex with another tree? Yes. That it's not married to? And so, uh, <laughs> like, the four... in, like in Lord of the Rings, those trees. Those trees. <laughs> yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> the ants. <laughs> you slept with another ants. <laughs> <laughs> with I Mary, wanted with, him, so I came and claimed what, him. Mary Pippin, we're gonna fall out. The trees are moving around. I think they're fucking. <laughs> and this tree isn't even married to this tree. Once I think it, it's second. Again, our, our cross section of people that understand <laughs> oh Towers references in Lord of the Rings. Exactly. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't. I literally you don't think this already? discussion has ever happened no. in oh. the world. Oh man, I had a great pistol and stamen joke. I was gonna oh, use. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh well, we gotta, we gotta, go, we gotta get on with the episode. The show must go on. Uh, Miranda, of course, uh, felt that that her um, Ethan. Her her boyfriend of the episode was cheating on her by always having to watch porn during sex. Always. Uh, Charlotte, of course, got cheated on by Gareth in the basement with uh, uh, a girl that he knew. But he was just kissing, so it wasn't really cheating, he claims. Uh, Samantha, of course, uh, hooked up with her trainer, and he shaved a Thor lightning bolt into her pubic hair. And she saw someone else, or she got spotted in the sauna at her gym. Uh, there was another woman with a Thor lightning bolt. So, of course... 
some cheating going on there. And lastly, Carrie cheated with her her feelings. She she cheated mm-hmm. by not telling Big how she really feels. So. Because she's again, she's back with Big as she was in the last episode. Back with Big. Back, back with Big. But she didn't tell any of her friends. She's and that's back. how she I mean, she was also cheating on her friends. Exactly. Which yeah. is important because yeah, yeah, the main yeah, yeah. relationship in the show is really Carrie and her friends. Right. And that's what's important. And it's like painful when she but you lies know what everyone was Miranda. Mono- right. Right. Yeah, actually, yeah, that's right. Because she lies to Miranda. Really this, I totally cut you off. I wanted to came joke. in with the joke and then was did. like, and respectful to our guests. <laughs> I am sorry you wrote a book on this. <laughs> what was your joke? <laughs> My joke was that they were all monogamous to one character, the city of New York. Nice. <laughs> Nobody pulled that shit about moving to LA. No. <laughs> Everybody stayed here like a real New Yorker. <laughs> I um, heard that uh I don't really remember where I heard this, that whenever they're in a bad date, they always use the line that they have to go change their laundry or pick up their laundry. And Carrie used that during the conversation with Miranda when she was That's true. when she was lying to her for the first Whoa. time. And, and this time she was getting a tooth cleaning, which I thought was such a funny way to sit. Like I, when you at least say dentist, like I'm yeah. getting a tooth cleaning. Well, one thing that was interesting in that scene is that that. She, the acting was really kind of weird and like wooden, but I was like, what if you were having a conversation that Mm. you're lying in? Maybe that was the direction that was like, talk like you don't want to be found out by this person, you know? Like she was being a bad actress. She was playing herself playing being a bad actor. Yeah, because because immediately she was like, Carrie, what are you doing in this neighborhood? And she was like, oh, you know, teeth cleaning. How are you? And, you know, right. and, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and yeah. immediately like flipped it. And then it was really weird. Um, I'll tell I, you who wasn't cheating. Who's that? Big was not cheating on that turtleneck game. That episode. Oh. His mock turtleneck game was strong. What are you, yeah. talking, about his, you talking about his turtle noth? <laughs> he was rocking that turtle noth. His fondue turtle noth? His fondue Also, turtle-noth. I do think it's is funny. That a, is that a random Twitter generated name for Benedict Cumberbatch? Exactly. <laughs> fondue <laughs> turtle noth. <laughs> I do think that so Carrie was like said she broke form and did something she never does and she cooked dinner for big and then she makes him fondue which which he calls her out on he's like you're not, it's not cooking you yeah. it's not up, real you heated up some cheese heated up I, some cheese good that was good oh man I, lo- I love my mouth that's my favorite thing about me but uh, but um but then this happens in TV shows a lot and Sex and City is no exception. It's rare in real life that someone cooks a whole meal and someone goes, this is terrible. Let's yes. go out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one does that in real yes. life. Yeah. I had one friend. I had one friend that told me that like that happened on a date. It was like two friends of mine that had dated. Like, and he was hell? like, he was like, yeah, I told her about how I made dinner for my roommates and then it was bad. And then we all laughed it off. And he was like, but what really happened was that. I made it and my roommates were like, listen, it's okay. We'll just order takeout. And then he was like, and then I felt the whole, I spent the whole night feeling terrible. And I was like, I'm a terrible person. And And people are just like, you know, it's just like, I went to so much work and I feel disrespected now. Mm -hmm. It's like, I wasn't heard right? when I melted this cheese for you, big. It was like a show of love. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, Carrie doesn't want to know how to cook. And I actually think she telegraphs that in that scene. Uh, I felt that she was like, she was like, this is the only thing I've ever learned to do. Heat up cheese. Uh, Yeah. And she doesn't really want to. We don't need to stand this for too long, but I will say when I was home in Columbus this past week visiting, I went to this, I went and got (laughs) coffee a lot at this one place and right across the street from where the coffee shop was, was a melting pot. Oh, melting pot. I I went to, I took a, a, high school date to a it was a big i was surprised it was still open because it was a big high school date place but there's never anyone is it still it seems it's still open yeah i went to one last year while i was on book tour i was someplace crazy and good 
I mean, it was weird. I walked in. This is actually a little bit of a sex in the city moment for me. I was already researching this book. I was still promoting Seinfeldia and I was stuck in some crazy small town and this was it. So I walked in and the guy goes, are you alone? (laughs) And I was like, I mean, I felt the urge to like suddenly be like, well, yes, but I I have a partner at home and we've been together for eight years. (laughs) Like I felt so weird. And like three different times throughout the process, someone had to keep because it's supposed to be like a communal activity. So I was like, I know, but like this was the only place I could walk to for my weird hotel. Like, can you please just give me food? Like, I don't want a whole production. I don't want a big thing of cheese. Like, so I got a salad and it was okay. That's amazing. Did they heat the salad up and liquefy it? (laughs) It was a liquefied. (laughs) Would you like some melted cheese on your salad? Like, it was a terrible. I'm gonna try that. I'm gonna go to Hibachi alone this week. Yeah, just and see how many times they they single shame you. Like, it was the weirdest. I really felt like I was on a very weird suburban episode of Sex (laughs) and the City. That's amazing. How many? I have a question about uh, researching for the books. Mm -hmm. How many times do you usually watch an episode of Sex and the City when you're when you're researching a specific episode, like for this episode? Like how many times? I mean, countless times. Like I've I've seen it once, at least once in real life, every single episode. Like just because I watched it, Right. right? And then. The next when I start a book, I watch the whole show straight through in order because sometimes you haven't watched it in order in a long time or mm-hmm. ever. And you see different things that way and kind of seeing it quickly. It's the most fun research of all time. It is. <laughs> it is. It was really fun. And then after that, it becomes more about like, I'll go back to one when I'm writing about it. Oh, what did they say here? What's mm-hmm. going on here? This is why I was saying like having it on Amazon Prime was a lifesaver yeah. for me yeah. in this process because I wasn't in in this, you know, put this DVD in, take this one out, do the whole thing. Um, I was able to just really easily do that. And then I had to do a definitive ranking for Vulture of oh. the entire season, the sh- entire show. I, wow. I ranked every episode. episode. By episode? Yeah. Um, is that article, that article still, that up, article is out, there out there. I worked really, it was, I mean, I don't work in the salt mines or anything, but it was, it was, <laughs> it was way harder than I, I thought. I can't imagine that would be an easy article. There's how many episodes of the show? I 94? Mean, yeah. Or it's, yeah. it was, and the problem is having to rank them all and yeah. also describe each one. Yeah. So like, I really had to go back a lot and because of course I know overall, but when you, you for, start to forget like oh for instance in this one i mean this thing is jam-packed by yeah. the way, this, this yeah. episode a lot of storyline um we haven't even talked about the fact that carrie gets her diaphragm stuck and yeah. charlotte hangs out with power lesbians which is how i would probably actually top line describe this like i i know it's called the cheating curve so that's mm-hmm. the that's the theme but like if someone just said to me you know this episode like the way i would describe it is power lesbians carrie gets her diaphragm stuck <laughs> yeah right, right. Which yeah, there's wh- a line when she got her diaphragm stuck that you said is one of your favorite lines in the it whole is, series. It is one of my favorites in the whole series, which is um, when Samantha says she's going to do it, which we all noticed, by the way, while we were watching. You guys were all, all like, oh, Samantha's got this. She's yeah. already she's it, already put her tooth back, it's back, a task back for in Samantha, the... For yeah, sure. Like yeah, the others are still dithering and she's like ready to go. Yeah. Um, but she says, and I just had my nails done oh, so before good. she goes in. Um, <laughs> I just like, I've this this for me is such a quintessential Sex and the City scene. Mm-hmm. Um it's about, you know, th- something with the show that people don't talk enough about is like, it's not just about sex and women. It's about like women's health or sexual health. Right. There's a lot of this going on, mm-hmm. you know, where no one ever talked about this kind of thing yeah. on TV before, much less getting it stuck and your friend having to go in. Yeah. I mean, this is quintessential stuff. And I love this scene, too. I do. I, this is one of the scenes in this episode that I wrote about in the book, because um they had this great commitment to reality. 
I know that doesn't seem right when you watch the show, but like right. the sex stuff, the relationship stuff. So Michael Patrick King, the producer, he had a rule about it has to have happened to someone in this room or only one degree of separation. Wow. And he, because he didn't want to start. Is this for everything? Yes. He didn't want to start perpetuating like urban myths about sex yeah, and, and yeah. stuff. So, you know, things like requests or women's sexual health or that sort of thing mm -hmm. had to be something that happened to somebody. So somebody told this story about somebody getting somebody else's diaphragm out and he was like, you know, this better be true or I will kill you. Yeah. Um, because he really wanted it to be real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. It's one of a couple things that they, you know, people told me about him specifically saying like, listen, this better be true because I really want to put it in and do not tease me this way, you know? Yeah. Um, so this is one of those, um, that's cool. One of those kinds of things where he was like, okay, cause that is real friendship. Like that doesn't get better than that. Can yeah. I, yeah. I'm embarrassed to say it, but can I, can I ask a question? Because mm -hmm. Is it, is, <laughs> is it about diaphragm? What is it? Is that, is that a pregnancy it, thing? It is a barrier method. Okay. Okay. So you stick They're it up. As popular there. anymore, dude. I can't figure out when these were popular. So they're okay, mentioned because in I know too, though, right? Yes, isn't this is very Lane, very Lane weird. So a friend of mine did a piece um, about like what's up with diaphragms in '90s sitcoms, yeah. essentially, because there's also I believe there's a Friends one too. Okay. I can't quite remember this one, but she interviewed me for it. Um, and the minute she, she was like trying to explain like, so like there's a lot of, and I was like, no, no, no. I know exactly what you're talking about mm -hmm. because I just wrote a book about Seinfeld and now I'm writing a book about sex in the city. <laughs> so like diaphragms on the brain and I have never used one. I have never encountered a woman who has used one. I don't know if maybe earlier in the nineties, like these women are, we're talking about are all, these characters are all yeah. a little older than I am. Right. So maybe diaphragms were a maybe, thing in the nineties. I only know about them from hearing about them on TV. Right. Me up. too. And there was also a thing called the today sponge. Well, that's, that's the sponge from Seinfeld. Seinfeld yeah. that's, so that's the, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's, that's the diaphragm I, thing too. I guess that was out there too. Like enough that that one was inspired by like an NPR story about how they were discontinuing them. So it obviously just, it like it sounds like was something over. that works 48% of the time. It, so it, it, I think it, I think it is one of those. Okay. I probably knew the actual statistic in college. I was very careful about things. Um, but yeah, like everyone I knew used condoms. I don't yeah. like if you're going to use something that seems like it's better. It sounds like you're kind of like taking a Pringles lid and you're kind of. That's exactly it. what you're doing. <laughs> Make it in Putting the shape. It up there. I did. Hey, yeah. hey, Samantha, I popped and now I, I did stop. <laughs> you got to go in there. You gotta yeah, go in there. I, I don't know. I Shout see out no. To Pringles. no. Shout, out, shout out to Pringles. Please be a sponsor. That was Lay's, but though what you said was oh. a Lay's thing. Oh, well, you oh. know, so, some kind of whatever. Snack once, you food pop, of you some can't, kind. once you pop, you can't stop. It's Pringles, isn't it? I don't know. I don't I'm stopping really the episode right now to figure this. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> but I don't see any advantages to a diaphragm versus other things. Right. Like, I just yeah. never wanted to be doing that. I mean, I will say moment. that now just like I know the I know about the Nuva ring. I know mm -hmm. about what's the thing that's the little piece of copper that clips up there? IUD. It's IUD. a penny. Oh, oh yeah. A penny. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, an IUD. Um and then the pill. I know about those ones. Those are the main and then those condoms. Are the, those are kind of the big ones of current time. Okay. Um Okay. You know. So I don't feel as embarrassed that I didn't the <laughs> diaphragm it 
seems like it's phased out. I'm guessing, yeah. I, I'm not even entirely clear that it was big in the 90s, but if it had a moment, mm. it seems like maybe it was the 90s. My my other, what I said in that article that my friend interviewed me for is that I think that part of the thing with the diaphragms on TV is that, like, there's something funny about them. Okay. Mm. Like, the, the the word's funny, first of mm-hmm. all. Diaphragm. Yeah. It's yeah. just funny. Um, and I remember, like, Elaine talking about it on Seinfeld where she's talking to the Virgin do you remember this? And she yeah. keeps saying, isn't it so embarrassing when your diaphragm, uh-huh. you know, falls out of your purse? And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe you saw my diet. She says it a bunch of times. Mm, so it's yeah. funny. And also the fact that you can get it stuck. You can it can fall out of your purse. Yeah. All of these things are just inherently funny. Was there like funny. a case? Was it like, you I, know, I, remember, I think like, there's a case, yeah. which I don't know. I have, I still have a lot of questions it's, about this. Like, we yeah, could like, do a whole episode about diaphragm. I came in the same case that they put retainers in. It's I what I imagined. It sounds like it's like an Invisalign or something. Yeah. Like it told, that. That's exactly what I imagined it as. It is a fun um, probably come back. Things, things like that come back. It in always, ways. It'd be yeah. funny too if the creator is like, you know, I wanted it to be good for women's health, but I'm so glad you saw the comedic element to it because that's really what I was going for. I mean, it I think it is just fun. Like it, there's nothing they could have done there. And that what's cool about mm-hmm. that moment in storytelling is that mm-hmm. there's a bunch of stuff. She has to come clean yeah, yeah, yeah. with her friends. Right. Right. That she was sleeping with big, just having condoms in your purse. Doesn't really say that I had sex last night. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, so I think what else there's no other, I see no other way that they could have done yeah. that thing. So this is why I think, I think it turns out that the diaphragm has a lot of usefulness to comedy narratives yeah yeah and not much for sexual health <laughs> that's true that's true that's my conclusion well hey if friend. you want to have a funny relationship get get a hold get of a a diaphragm diaphragm, diaphragm sponsor this episode <laughs> thank you diaphragms for sponsoring this episode um so i wanted to tell I, I i have this written down and i think it's a i don't want to miss this but uh the whole conversation about cheating and we all laughed out loud when uh lulled we we lulled when um that's when, moral relativism yeah when, <laughs> when because, Miranda, yes especially First because all, you before you called those conversations like socratic socratic dialogue like yeah. like Which, this one was walking at a farmer's market usually that's like sitting around a table or at a diner but they were walking around a mm-hmm. farmer's market which samantha subtly had like a miniature statue of david of, oh so by great. the way she also tucked a banana into her like really? waistband at, at a point like she <laughs> she was like gonna buy it i guess at one point and she, so she just like well, she's not gonna she, put it back after that she just walks in the background and is holding a giant kielbasa. It's just like tons of, tons of penile references. Yeah, it was that was a little weird, but yeah, I loved that was a great Miranda moment. Oh, yes, yeah, because yeah, she she's looks, outraged. She's like, that's, that's moral relativism. relativism. It was fantastic. Like, I yeah, I it was, but she has the she has a point because it was basically that was the, if the tree falls in the forest. That's what she replied that to, right? No, That's I think what, it was no, it was no. Carrie's cheating curve idea. Carrie's like, oh, the cheating, cheating curve, curve idea was whole, yeah, because the cheating curve comes out to what is it? It's like <laughs> how much you. It's something about how much it matters to you would be how much how of a much big you, deal it is if someone exactly. cheats on you. Yeah. yeah, and then how much you want to cheat is, is, is right. How what you your opinion of cheating would be, and that right there is. Moral, moral relativism. Yeah. We all learned something today. And then that took us to our I couldn't help but wonder moment, which I don't think she said I couldn't help but wonder, but she just She said I, I had to wonder. I actually noticed this for mm, some bizarre okay. reason that she said I had to wonder that was if the tree falls the in the forest. Falls, yeah. Well, I think deal. I think that the, it's interesting the conversation that they had, but it's it's funny that they couldn't go so far down that um like I thought the episode would have more cheating, but you can't 
as it's fun to talk about with cheating, but when you see characters do it, I can't imagine you actually sympathizing with them because it's actually such a like they were talking the talk, but I don't think you could walk the walk with those characters because cheating sucks. You right. are in for some good times later, sir. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> Boy. Buckle up, Doyle. There's a wait. lot. All I'm going to say right now okay. is, and I did, I specifically didn't say this to you guys when we were watching it because I didn't want to mess stuff up for you, but there's a couple of real um, foreshadowing moments wow. in this one. In this one. See, um, that if, like, if you know what happens later, I don't think they didn't necessarily built it in, but mm. I bet that they went back and looked and they were like, oh, the the seeds are there. Samantha gets her diagram stuck. Yes. <laughs> yes. And also that guy, the trainer that he shaved and everyone, he, he brought about Harry Potter later. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he shaved that sign into yeah. Harry's forehead. He is Voldemort. He's I'm Voldemort. obsessed that's with Voldemort. this guy shaving this yes, into women's feet. Like, we said this when we were watching it. What kind of skill? He shaved it with like a Bic razor. Like what skill does this man have? Like this is really, yeah. And like, I mean, that's dangerous. Like there's a lot of stuff happening and she looked like she was enjoying it, which like, I just want to put a public service announcement out there. Like (laughs) that, whatever that face was she was doing, I don't think most of us would make. (laughs) Well, it it would just be more like, are you done? Oh my God. Is this still going on? What's happening? He's He's like, like, wait a minute. This is one of my best ones. (laughs) I really want to get the, 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 Curves, I do arc, like, angles. I do, I do like that. Um, this reminded me a little of like that. There's that moment when she says, "Like you know, there's a whole new industry popping up around that area." Yeah. Now, like yeah. she talks, she's talking about like she's she's predicting bikini waxes. Yeah, um, which become like there's an episode much much later where they have bikini wax I'm, i mean i think it's okay to spoil that part oh we, yeah spoilers um, are off the table by the okay. way you can say anything okay you want. but um i just don't want to ruin things for you guys but the bikini wax is it's fine for you to know about and it really did help tremendously to like spread the bikini wax nationwide yeah. that oh, sounded yeah. gross um <laughs> but like spread the wax the fact that like it's when they go to la that mm-hmm. carrie gets a bikini wax and they kind of show i mean they don't show it show it but there's mm-hmm. like a funny scene mm-hmm. and you know, it really did help to sort of oh, yeah. tell the rest of the nation mm-hmm. besides L.A. and New York, like, hey, this is a thing we're all doing now. And it was yeah. weird how all of a sudden overnight everyone was it was like, no, this is a prerequisite yeah. for being a woman who's sexually active. It's, it's funny that that like this show boosted Magnolia Bakery. I, it yeah. boosted bikini wax parlors nationwide. Parlors? Parlor, you, sure. Absolutely sure. destroyed the parlors? pube community. <laughs> oh, the it's, pube community. <laughs> pube community has never recovered. They have, tried, but so, uh, I don't, since you're an expert yeah. on, on the series and the whole, what what is the thing that was boosted the most by by sex? And I mean, it has opinion? to be like fashion. Um, you know, fashion. It has to be Manolo's. Okay. Manolo's like the quintessential example of that. No one in you know, I mean, very few were people were they like on the level with Crocs before the show. No, they it? were the opposite. They were like, I can't. I don't even know what it would be because I don't know about it. But like, <laughs> you know, no one knew. In, if you went to a mall in the Midwest, no offense to Midwest, I was from there too. But like. You know, that stuff just couldn't get to right. us yeah. then. And like Manolo Blahnik was this very high level, like only people who really knew about shoes and fashion right. knew him. Well, mm-hmm. I'm going to show how much I still don't know about fashion. Can't if you're in the Midwest now, just in a random town, is a Manolo Blahnik much more attainable? Like you, you can't get not one more now? attainable, no, but like they won't even ship them there. Wait, what? They have a Blahnik. <laughs> We have you said an embargo such, on Omaha. Yeah. That was like, it was, so you said it was such conviction. I was well, almost like, wait, actually, is this, wait is those words thing? are getting bleeped out to listeners in the Midwest. <laughs> yeah, they can't, 
they, it's like no, 1984. I mean, they're yeah. not anymore attainable. They're still the same I price. I guess not attainable, but, but I they guess know what they are they what now. They are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know what they were before either. I mean, um, in my book, actually, there's my, inter- my sister is one of the interviews that I did because she told me this cute story about how when she she was a teenager when the show was at its heights, and she told me like, I don't know if you know this, but I used to sneak downstairs into the basement to watch it. Um, cause mom wouldn't let me, she, mom wouldn't let me cause of the sex, but I didn't care about the sex. It was the fashion. Mm. And mm. she was like, the reason I did that is cause in like in Homer Glen, Illinois, you know, at that time we didn't have fashion blogs. We didn't have Instagram. We didn't have all the stuff. She was like, I had Vogue and sex in the city right. to tell me what was cool wow. in other places. And she started like making her, she would go to target and like make her own versions of the oh, that's awesome. shoes and stuff. And she became a costumer for the show Chicago med. Oh, so like, awesome. she really thinks like this had such a, you know, this had a real effect on her. She yeah. felt really inspired by the show and Patricia field and the stuff that she learned watching it because it was so different from anything. It was, it wasn't just the standard, like, Oh, everybody wears their power bitch suits. Right the end like on Melrose or something right but that's interesting because not only I mean the show clearly made people move to the city and like you said it influenced your life mm-hmm. but it influenced people in ways where they got fascinated with something and then that changed the course of their life later it's yeah it's just like it's like anyone going and like being like I saw this movie and then like 20 years later I'm a film editor now or exactly like that. that's yeah. exactly that's she actually was she told me that story while we were shopping once and that was part of the reason I was like I was inspired by that story to put more people's stories into the book about how it really affected their lives. So I've got stories about like there's there's, as I always say, also a cute rimming story um, about like this gay man who totally was very forthcoming with me and told me like, you know, he learned about rimming from Sex in the City and he thought if it's okay with Charlotte. It's okay with him, (laughs) which I thought was, I mean, it's, it's it's the only cute ribbing story I know. So, um, you know, there's a lot of different things that this affected besides cupcakes, which obviously, you know, it created an entire industry there, but, and bikini waxes included. Um, yeah, we, we should also talk about. We could. This is a good. Se- I'm going to make a segue here. Perfect. Um, yeah. We should talk about the Prada loafers. We should talk about the Prada loafers that got yeah. Oh, yeah. Charlotte in, in with is the that power what lesbians. Is, were the Prada loafers what did it for the power? Kind lesbians? of like she said. Like oh, they have like great taste in mm-hmm. footwear and eyewear. Did you notice? Yes, and she, she happened to be wearing her glasses. Yes, that's right. She was glasses. She Charlotte shoes, eyewear, yeah. and making makeup look like it wasn't applied. Yeah, that's right. Um, so she and she kind of I think they had her in a little bit of that look mm-hmm. at yeah. the time you know Glasses Charlotte comes and goes right but she happened to be there Glasses for, Charlotte is maybe the first time we see Charlotte because mm-hmm. when she turns that's to right. the camera when she's like hey yeah when it's yeah. like when you have all the little turn to camera things mm-hmm. she's wearing glasses that's in right. a private gallery or something like that's that that's right I think you know they were going for kind of like the sexy librarian look there yeah. so and it worked for Kevin yeah it worked for Kevin <laughs> yeah Kevin's a Kevin's He's a big Charlotte fan. I don't big, blame you. I'm a big Charlotte fan. I th- I'm most physically attracted to her. But She's at, so cute. But as a character, you know, she turns me off. And I mm. think she should have been more forthcoming with the lesbians. But oh, that, that was not a cool move. Not a cool move. So was she not forthcoming? Like, was she, she coy was to, on purpose? Yeah. Because I there was a thing where absolutely. I was like, maybe it didn't come up. No, she, she absolutely... Just, mm-hmm. Was holding back because she knew she knew she wouldn't be fully part of the group, and it it wasn't a business decision either. It was just yeah, a fr- I don't think like so. there's a thing where I'm like, if it's a business yeah. decision, I think maybe it's a up to a certain decision, point, if it's then a you business- eat a little pussy just so you can sell some paintings. I mean, <laughs> come I mean, on, if you're doing it's a standing, it, <laughs> standing operating procedure right there. No, but she yeah she friend zones them, which is which is never cool without you know discussing it. I think. 
Well, I think that that there's a final... whole group of them, man. You gotta you, you're gonna come out to all of them. Well, well you just gotta be right right. I know. They'll no, know. Right. If you tell one of them, they're gonna they're gonna tell the rest. That's of totally them. true. How as, do you though... as Miranda would say, that's a lie by omission, not commission. No, it's true. <laughs> but I, how do you think like? I don't know if I, I'm forgetting if I ever saw like when it could have gone down. Was there a thing where she like they had her on screen playing super coy and you're like, uh oh, she's doing this. No, no, that's I think that's part of it is that she there. They didn't ever, you right. know, overtly say to her until right. that woman, until the queen bee does it right at the end, which is a fantastic scene because yeah, it yeah. explains everything there. Mm-hmm. Like, like that's rude. And yeah, to like go and be like, pretend to be a lesbian because you enjoy you know, you could see I like female power. Yeah, like, like I like the. I mean, I you, men. They, that true. probably happens to them. Yeah, like yeah. that. That women are like, I just love being around your goddess energy, and they're like, okay, that's enough. Yeah. Like, right, yeah. we're not, we're not your playthings anymore. Right. Than we're straight men's playthings who like want to come watch us make out. Like, yeah. you, right. they can't, you can't screw with their emotions that way because it was. I think it was pretty clear that that blonde was sort of into yeah, her. I mean, she brought her to oh, the yeah, G because... spot. She brought her to the love tunnel. Love there's tunnel. Plenty of, all those, plenty of places all those... for her to. Come clean. Did you <laughs> notice the last club that they didn't name? That was just the window was just two giant yeah. lips. Oh, I think yeah. it was that, that, was, that, the was, that was the love tunnel. That was the love tunnel. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I mean that's place. pretty on point. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. There was there was a French infusion restaurant. That's what it was. I didn't get the name with a sapphic with a hot sapphic chef. That's yeah. what they said. I think what it was just sapphic? called tintalizing conversation. Yeah. What is a sapphic chef? Uh, that's just a a um. Adjective? Another word for lesbian. Oh. Sapphic is is oh. just another word for lesbian. Oh, I'm really? So, I'm so know. I'm teaching so much today, you guys. Well, I know. Very into this. On this podcast, we are mostly taught. Yeah. <laughs> There's many things we don't know. I love that. The yeah. The main reason to start this was just so I could ask what a diaphragm was. Yeah. Now that <laughs> right. we got that, now we're now we shut podcast. it down. Jeremy, uh, shut it down. Hit we're the done. button. Delete it. I have. I wanted to ask real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. We talk about least New York and most New York things. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this the scene of them in Times Square was pretty New York because oh, yeah. they were you saw the Virgin Megastore which that was is the first yes. time I think the first time they filmed in Times Square but the least New York thing is four women like that actually in Times I Square I agree why, <laughs> why were they there no I really wanted to say yeah. that well in the they moment. said they wanted to go see a movie so well there's go a movie theater I do think I that, see that, movies on 42nd Street I mean where was Ethan taking Miranda for the docks just go there there's for, other movie theaters in Times Square. Oh yeah, Square, yeah. That I'm was saying. at the Waverly, and and I don't that doesn't exist now. And I was like, oh man, I would like to go see. There it. was a lot of movie going in this episode. A lot yeah, of movie true. going. Ethan that's would weird. always movie go mm-hmm. in front of his TV mm-hmm. watching pornography. Power lesbians, also diaphragms, and movie going. The three <laughs> three sublines. <laughs> three pillars. The yeah. documentary that they starts off with the Holocaust one called Shoah oh. is like 14 hours long, and they didn't. I thought they were going to reference this, but it's a 14 hour documentary about that's the Holocaust. Great. I did like the and specific. Good. She always says where they went and what they saw. Yeah, yeah which, which I kind of enjoyed. Yeah, it was that. It was uh, Nanook of the north which is like from they watch the, 20s. the nook of the north yeah that's like one of the fir- it's like a f- one of the first silent documentaries yeah of filming uh indigenous people in alaska yeah and then uh give me shelter which is yes. the, rolling the rolling stones, stones documentary one. yeah I-, I took a lot of documentaries back <laughs> in college i just wanted to get that We're like, out there this, now, like, this hits all of our you knew does. the song you knew the song at the end yeah so yeah, you're like yeah. you knew you the musical theater you knew the yeah. documentaries and i was like well actually moral relativism is <laughs> <laughs> it's true and it's all um i i wanted to say one thing while we're on new york thing yeah and i've been thinking about this since we asked you to come onto the show oh my gosh yeah so Whoa. here we go right. so no so you did wrote you like his Seinf- end joke no <laughs> did you wait what did you like what joke? did you like his end joke <laughs> did you like my 
because I worked a long time. He was on working that. on it since you invited me. Yep. It was for me specifically. Yes. Did you like it? I now, loved it. Uh, you wrote Seinfeldia, mm-hmm. and you also wrote Sex in the City. Oh, and no. Us. So here's my question for you: mm-hmm. Where is the diner in oh Seinfeld? God. What street is it on? The diner that they always eat at in Seinfeld. Tom's. Tom's Diner. It's Tom's. It's like one. Is that what? Like one twelve? I think it's one twelfth or one thirteenth. Yeah. My question for you is: We're just ro- hold on. <laughs> my question for you is: Is that in Manhattan? I think so. Okay. Was there, did you hesitate at all? Yeah, I think Why so. Why do you? Okay. The reason I ask is if on, someone, on, if sure, go ahead. If go ahead. If you were, if you were having drinks with a guy, mm-hmm. and he was just like, oh, yeah, I live in Manhattan." You're like, "Oh, that's cool." And then you go back to his apartment and you go to one twelfth to his apartment. Would Do you, you feel, feel misled? No, oh. no, I really wouldn't. But I would, she wrote a book. <laughs> I've been holding that in for months. But I would ask where he lived before. Like Manhattan isn't an answer. To where do you live? Well, the in reason, New York. The reason like, the reason we said that is because when we were first talking about this podcast, it was like the first episode. The first episode we were talking. You can tell how passive aggressive I am by this whole thing. But like as we were talking about it, we were talking about where we've lived in Man- where we lived in New York, mm-hmm. and John lived in Hell's Kitchen, mm-hmm. and then I was like, I lived in Manhattan for the first six years of living in New York, and I lived at 109, 108, and then I moved up to Harlem and lived at one fortieth, and then one forty fifth, and they were like. That's not Manhattan. I mean, Harlem is certain. That that's a little different. Harlem that is a little was what I said. But I will say, <laughs> I will say, I will argue that Harlem is a little different in that it is very classically Manhattan. But that's a whole other thing. But but if, but but someone should say, I live in Harlem. Granted, mm. I'm now stuck on your question. Like I can't stop thinking of it as someone I could potentially date, and I would be <laughs> so irritated if someone didn't tell me they lived in Harlem. Because <laughs> but, like, what if uh, there's no train line that goes directly between our two places? Like we're right. doomed. Long well, listen, the A B C D one two and three all go up there. Okay, so. well then I know where I can live. There you go. Um, better New York show, Sex and uh, You. Uh, oh, we can't ask that. Yeah, you can. She okay. wrote two books on it. Sign, yeah, that's true. Seinfeld and Sex anyone, City. I mean, the thing is, Seinfeld really got it. Like, for given that they shot in LA, I think they did a, a spectacular job of like capturing the spirit of mm-hmm. New York. Um, you know, I always cite things like they had, they had so many, right? But like Elaine's Chinese place, not delivering because she's across the street and she goes and like hangs out in a broom closet in a building across the street to like get her Chinese food. That's Uh so New York. Yeah. You know, on the other hand, there's like a little too much driving for my taste on Mm -hmm. Seinfeld. Yeah. Um, I think it's because a lot of them were living in LA and had cars. And so stuff kept happening to them that was funny and had to do with cars. Mm -hmm. So they like made an exception, but they did such a good job of that. Whereas sex in the city is just New York. Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. totally different. Kind of, you know, it's a different Mm -hmm, subset of New York, but they really did shoot there and they kind of made filming happen for TV shows in New York. So, yeah, yeah, I think it has to like because it was filmed there. Uh, Of course, when did Seinfeld start? 92? No, 89 to 98. 89. Yeah. Wow. So I I wonder if they were they probably weren't filming that many. No. Nothing. Nothing. I mean, they still weren't when Sex and the City started. Sex and the City was breaking new ground. I mean, I'm sure that uh, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld would have been very pleased to stay in New York City and to shoot on location. My God. But that wasn't at the time. I mean, they didn't want to even do the live audience thing, but they had to. They were forced to by the network because no one was doing you know, single yeah. camera. Yeah. So it was because new because HBO was going to allow single camera and you know location shoots that 
you know, made the difference for them. And Seinfeld did quite a few location shoots just to make it look better. And they kind of helped bring us into this era, but they, but we weren't there yet. So also sex in the city. I don't know what was on TV when Seinfeld started, but I read the other day that HBO's slate was like Arliss and Oz and that's yep. kind of it for that's, big shows. And, and I mean, Sopranos was about to start. Sopranos started like six months after Shandling had been happening. Um, but that's it. Yeah. And so boxing. it kind of ushered in like a new ish oh, yeah. type of show and single camera. Uh, and that for kind of. sure. I mean, that's I always one of the things I whine about a lot is that I feel like they don't get as much credit for the changes they provoked in TV as Sopranos mm-hmm. does. I mean, everybody lost their minds like at minute one of the Sopranos because it was like a Scorsese film. Right. Mm. You know, for TV and because it was about a white man, white middle aged man with problems and there was killing, whereas like Sex in the City is fun to watch and it's funny sometimes and it's about sex and it's about women and, it's, and they wear nice clothes. So suddenly, like everybody forgets all the stuff they did in terms of single camera. And I mean, bringing that into comedy is a huge deal. Yeah. You know, like that's that made a huge difference. Almost everything's single camera now. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, we, Kev, Kevin can wait, isn't it? It's not well, a big deal. It's just I like, mean, Kevin can wait till my Kevin can wait book. <laughs> <laughs> and there has to be a diaphragm in it. There has to be There's the anchor point of all of your gonna books. There's obviously going to be a diaphragm babe, in it. Babe, you know? what is this? Is this the cap to my Pringles? <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's going to come in. You say, babe, what's up with my Pringles cap? What, what is it? Well, Thank you. Go. I'm going to use that now as my new, like, I always threaten that I'm going to start like pitching my agent, like yeah. the worst idea. Right. And just with, with total enthusiasm. And I'm going to be like, you're going to be so psyched. Wait for it. Kevin, Kevin can, can wait. wait. What if, And then what if you get stuck? Cause he's like, I love it. And you're like, Oh fuck. Yeah. No, I've I thought agree. about that. Believe me when I've joked about like, I'm going to write about Frasier and yeah. then somebody's going to be like, that's amazing. And I'm like, crap. No, wait, no. what do, if you are allowed to say it, if there's a wish or there's one in the works, but the next show, what would it be? We're not. This has been a very fraught discussion. It's getting harder and harder because there's more TV, but there's fewer shows like this or Seinfeld that like have a massive cultural impact. And that's something I'm very hung up on. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to just write about a show because I like it. Yeah. So that there's that. And also I might I might do a little something different next time. It might not be like a show. Yeah. We'll see. We're we're talking about that right now. Without apart from from, I guess, your books. But is there a show that doesn't have the same following as these things, but has maybe like the the same like the same amount of influence i mean shows doesn't get the cred maybe shows that came later i mean there's there's a lot of shows that came later that just don't have as big an audience but still have had an out you know we have a weird system now where kind of shows can have an outsized cultural Mm -hmm. impact with a pretty small audience so something like mad men was not massive yeah in terms of its audience compared to some of these other shows but like obviously that has a huge impact now Mm -hmm. yeah and there's tons of shows on now. I'd like I'd love it if, if I could write a book about like Jane the Virgin or something. But mm. it's just these shows don't even have the sh- a shot at being these big things like right. shows used to so, have so much. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, awesome. So the last thing that we do on our podcast is we go around the circle and we rate uh, we rate the episode from one to five cosmos. Um, you don't have to go first since we're just springing this on you, uh, Corey. Why don't you? Give us your uh, your oh, cosmo you, You'll spring it on me. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you, big. Thank you, big. I'll take that. Um, I think I'm gonna. As we've been doing this podcast, like I realize because I'm like usually pretty positive. I feel like I always rate things higher, 
And as we're watching it more, I'm like, oh, there's a lot more episodes. I really got to broaden my range here. So I think this was a good episode, but I, I would normally give it like a three and a half. I think I'm going to give this a three. Mm, I feel wow. like it was, which I'm not really broadening that much, but it was, it was, uh, anyway, I'm going to be real harsh on it. I'm going to give it a three, but, uh, it was very packed for th- with a lot of stuff, but, um, it, it seems like the only thing, and we didn't talk a lot about it, but one thing that I got, and maybe this is setting up a lot of things to come, like you said, Jennifer, but I got a little sense of what people say of how big and Carrie's relationship gets frustrating and kind of sad. Like at the end they're dancing in this odd supper club, but there's three couples dancing on the floor and clearly she's, she says like how she's afraid of all this stuff. And then right. finally she, she doesn't answer and she just says, I was afraid. And he's like, well, I really missed you. And you're like, Oh, this doesn't seem like it's going to go Did well. You cry? Did you no. cry? Nope. Yeah. I Did you cry? I listened to a hell of a lot of Sinatra, though. I was like, <laughs> yeah. what a line, dude. I know. Yeah. I know. That's so dude. That's a line built for a mock turtleneck right there. Uh, yeah. You're right. That's yes. true. So, yeah, 3.0. 3. I'm, I'm, we'll go around this way to hit okay. you last. I'm going to go. I, I really like this episode. I'm going to go a three and a half. Uh, I thought I, I really like how all the different uh, cheating aspects were kind of different for like like Kevin said. It wasn't just like a relational cheating thing that would have been easier to to write, but Carrie cheating on her friends, the actual physical cheating, the porn. I really liked it. There's a lot of good laughs, a lot of funny stuff. 3.5 solid episode, but I would have probably given it a four. I I took to what what you said to heart. Like, I think there's going to be episodes that are just clear fives. Yeah. So I'm trying to be a little bit more conservative. I can't wait. My heart says four. My mind says 3.5. Good. I'm going to go three, and I chose it before you guys spoke because I've been trying to do that. Prove it. To not. And when you said three, I said, I agree. Wow. Um, what, a, what a way to be an individual by copying someone else's thing. <laughs> um, so I liked it. I guess it wasn't my favorite in general. I liked that scene at the end. I, w- I would have liked to talk about that more, but I'm sure we're going to get plenty of time to talk about big carry <laughs> issues. Um, one thing I, I did... It, it's funny the the one thing we we didn't cover that I was Miranda's relationship like how spread porn ha- is now that now it's like culturally and just like the internet internet porn I bet there's so many more people that have that conversation and back then it was probably like it's this weird weird thing and now it's like I bet that's mm-hmm. a totally new thing for people to deal with so I mm-hmm. thought that was interesting um, and. I I liked it in general. I liked the Socratic conversation that they had. Mm-hmm. I always enjoy that. And I thought that was a good one. And I guess I would have uh, liked to see that go a little deeper because there's a lot to cover. But I'm sure it will throughout the series yeah. rather than just in, in the episode. So three point error. So Corey score. Corey, Corey score. <laughs> I'm going to say three, two. Um I do want to. Wow. Corey Corey and Kevin. I know. Um, I feel like two would be harsh Mm -hmm. and because it's good. It's real. And I also want to give it credit for this is the time when it's really starting to get going. Mm -hmm. It's really starting to find itself here. So I kind of grade on a curve. Ha ha ha. Um, I kind of grade on a curve a little for that. That stuff where it's like it wasn't as easy for them to nail it back then because they didn't know what it it, what exactly they were trying to do yet. And this Mm -hmm. to me is one of the first that really starts to 
get there. Um, not as much emotion as you're probably going to see later, mostly. Um, so I want to leave room for the four and five is, you know, when you when you get a five one, you're going to know like oh, the, the real fives of this um, are so far and away from this one in terms wow. of emotion. But um, I do. I actually like I, I like seeing that I, the big carry thing and how that is really telegraphing how that's not going well that mm-hmm. that was not how that conversation she wanted that conversation to go right. but she sucks it up and i've been there and it hurts mm-hmm. um oh, i hate him um <laughs> <laughs> he drives me bananas that relationship drives me crazy um but like then we got like the power lesbians i love when they do their little like sticky like that they gave around? us a little little turn yes you know oh, okay i when they turned in the beginning mm, that I, was nice too i thought that was a good did you notice the the fake tequila thing it was like yeah oh no no the it was just that sort of cheesy like like, it seemed like they figured out a gag from season one but they nailed it yeah you know yeah Yeah. exactly yeah Yeah. and i like when they some some of these are better than others the the kind of terms they come up with for stuff but i like the power lesbians um even though i'm you know skeptical that they were just invented at that moment um but i can see how maybe they were out in the open more and they were more powerful than they used to be i can see that as Mm. as a you know this show is about women coming into their economic power so lesbians would be part of that too Mm -hmm. lots of interesting stuff and it really is packed like you said so i give it credit for all of that and very prescient i love what you just said about porn because it basically predicted both bikini waxes and the porn explosion. Yeah. And you're right. We, we even joked while we were watching about like, what does this guy have it each his VHS queued up in each room so that he can immediately turn it on and, and go. his, his line, which I thought was, she laughed it off, but she's like, I have to go. But when he said like, I have relationships with these people longer, longer mm-hmm. than you. Mm-hmm. And I read this article about a guy, some guy that has, like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, he has a different porn star on a schedule and he thinks of it as like a date. Like, Aww. oh, on Friday, like is when I get to, and and they were, it was all these people's different relationships to porn. So I thought that was very predictive and very like, it's going to get way weird. Like I want to <laughs> tell him like, if you, if this is your issue now, yeah, waiting 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Some... And they do this a lot on the show, mm. which I think is fascinating. Mm. They really did like, they were able to foresee it. I mean, Michael Patrick King even said to me something like, you know, I feel like we were we were, you know, showing people these conversations, you know, three weeks before they were about to have them, yeah. essentially, which I think it might have been more than three weeks before. But they yeah. really had because they were, you know, keyed in New Yorkers, they knew kind of they could see what was coming for the rest of us. Yeah. Most of us. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's so cool. Should we do the, uh, the drawing? Do the drawing. Yeah, we'll do the drawing. Now the first one, the first question, uh, I put everyone in here that entered and it was, uh, what is the bus line that features Carrie's face that gets the dick drawn on it? Mm -hmm. And many of you answered and it was the M two. Two. (laughs) We all said, Um, so (laughs) we said it very confidently. But we have, uh, well, you know what I, I what I said was yeah. Well, whatever. We're, we're <laughs> I'm gonna pick your name out. We already did this, so if you if you're in this bucket, I put all your yeah, Instagram I'm and Twitter a picture names to verify in there. that it's yeah. actually it's happening. And uh, the person who's getting it, your name is, um, your Instagram name is Lucinda Intervention. Lucinda Intervention. Lucinda Intervention. Yay. You are getting yourself a copy of Sex in the City and Us, yes. written by Jennifer Cation Armstrong. And who else is going to get it? For those of you 
This is really exciting podcasting. Really listening exciting. to yeah, you listen stir to around. You, <laughs> Thomas Leonard. Thomas Leonard. Thomas, Thomas Leonard. Leonard. All right, you guys will get a signed book from Jennifer Cation Arms. So if you guys listen to this, please uh, message us on Instagram or Twitter and um, and give us your address and we'll send that over to you. Everybody else, I have tons of your names in here. Um, please tweet us and Instagram us because we run those accounts. We, yep. So do that and we'll do this again sometime. Jennifer, awesome. where yes. can we find you on social media? Uh, well, if you go to my website, jenniferkarmstrong.com, everything's there, but awesome. um, Twitter and Instagram are jmkarmstrong.com. Awesome. Fantastic. And well, thank uh, you so much for jo- get her book, Sex in the City and Us, or Seinfeldia, another Absolutely. great New York show mm-hmm. that paved the way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. And um, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for so having much. me. This was so it's fun. fun. Awesome. Right. Thank Bye. you, Jennifer. The Bradshaw Boys stars Corey Cavan, John Sieber, and Kevin James Doyle. The show is produced by Jeremy L. Balin. For more information on the guys, check out their website at bradshawboys.com, on social media at the Bradshaw Boys. And if you see them in the street, tip your glass. Thanks for listening.